Welcome to the Valiant Central Podcast. This is a special episode. I got a chance to speak with Paul Levitz, who, of course, is a comic book legend. He was president of DC for years and years, has written a ton of books, found some great talent in comics, and now he's working at Valiant. So Greg was kind enough to reach out to me last night, and uh, we set up this short interview for you guys. I hope you really enjoy it. I got some information out of him about what to look forward to in this new series. And, of course, we had to talk comics, so stay tuned all the way through the end. Uh, it's pretty short, about 20, 25 minutes, but uh, I had a great time. And never in my life did I think I would uh, be able to chat with Paul Levitz like this. So enjoy the interview. Thank you so much, Mr. Levitz, for coming on. It's uh, it's a real treat. You you are a legend. I'm sure you've heard that many a time. You know, last last long enough, and you become a legend, a myth, or just a rumor. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I want to kick things off. Just uh, if you could give me some some background on how you got involved with Valiant uh, and why the visitor. Uh, so I've known lots of the folks who've been in and out of Valiant over the years. But this version of Valiant, when Fred Pierce landed there, he's somebody I've been friendly with back to his days at Wizard and known even more briefly from his days at Valiant the first time. And Fred and I would have lunch every couple of months. And he said, would you be interested in writing something for us? And I said, sure. You know, I'm very open to writing for anybody these days. Uh, He said, well, you know, we have a couple of these old series that we're not doing anything with. Um, you could take one of them, change everything but the name, and do whatever you wanted with it. Perhaps an overstatement, but still. <laughs> um, so he gave me, he had one of the guys give me digital copies to read through, and neither one struck me as really an exciting series in and of itself, but the name The Visitor seemed like a good name. And there were a couple of elements in the original I guess maxi series you would define it as that uh, seemed fun, and I said, hey, "All right, I could I could play with something on that," and came up with a one-page pitch in theory and sent it over to Fred, and he passed it on to the editors. They ruminated, and I came into the office, and they said, "Yeah, you know, you could do this." Gave me a couple of suggestions, gave me a little bit of Valiant 101 on the current characters. Fred gave me a stack of books to read. Um, and I began to fill in some of the missing pieces. Very cool. I was curious because uh, I, I, it took me aback. This is going to sound really weird, and you're probably going to think I'm the craziest person in the world. Uh, like I was telling Greg before I started recording, I am probably the only person in the entire world that loves The Visitor. Uh, I understand completely okay. how uh, not great, we'll say, the original series was. Uh, but there was something about it that I just found really interesting, and uh, I, I'm kind of drawn to uh, cheesy comics sometimes, and it does have a little bit of a cheese <laughs> factor. But uh, when, I, when I saw the, the press announcement, I was really surprised by the new look. Uh, it, it's very modern, very different from the original. How is your take different from the original version? The character design is, I think, both more modern, which is appropriate. It's you know, It's a bunch of years since the last one. And it's also more suited to who this character is and what the mystery about this character is. So you don't find out who the visitor is until well into the series. Um, and depending on how good you are at resolving mysteries, and might help a little bit if you know a little bit about Valiant's overall mythology, but it doesn't seem necessary to know it. 
uh, you may be able to get it a little a little more quickly. Would you say? How do I want to phrase? It? I, I don't want to spoil the mystery, obviously. Uh, but w- would you be able to say if this is a character that we've seen previously, or is this uh, something new, completely new? I think this. I think this is pretty close to completely new. It has it has roots and things that are relevant in the Valiant mythology, but uh, I don't. I don't think you've seen this character before. It's not like the last visitor where it turns out to, oh, he's here to fight himself kind yeah. of circularity. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, this is kind of billed as a, a sci-fi mystery. Uh, what what aspects of sci-fi are we talking about? Is this like a, a throwback to like awesome 50 sci-fi? Is this like a current take on sci-fi, a space uh, opera kind of thing? I think it it connects to the science fiction of the Valiant universe. And a certain portion of what Valiant's done over the years, going back to the original material, gyms and all the, all the rest that's gotten layered on top of it, has a science fiction logic to it or science fiction inspiration. And there are pieces of that that definitely relate here and that come through. Um, and it's more science fiction in terms of its connections than it is to being a science fiction adventure. You know, I distinguish between, when I teach writing, between science fiction as a genre and mystery as a genre. They're both genres that are driven by giving you intellectual rewards more than emotional rewards. But the strength of science fiction, when it's done really well, is asking you why, what would happen if, questioning. Mystery is more giving you a puzzle, and do you have fun manipulating Rubik's Cube? Do you have fun trying to unravel the knot? Um, and even if you don't want to go to all the work of unraveling it, does it seem interesting and rewarding when you see it unravel in front of you? And I think this is this is more mystery than science fiction, but it's certainly a mystery with some strong science fiction roots. Cool. Uh, I, I saw some... Uh people talking about they thought maybe there was some time travel elements to the story. I'm not sure where that came about. Uh, could you speak to that at all? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see what they speculated. But, uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, good. Yeah, I, somebody asked me that question. I was like, I don't I don't really see anything about that, but cool. Um, very good. I'm, I'm really excited. I, I was completely taken aback by the fact that you were working on this book, uh, and I'm really glad that Greg was able to set up a, a few minutes to chat with you. Because, um, like I said, I, it, this is one of my favorite characters, and, and I really couldn't even tell you why. Um, matter of fact, Greg knows. Well, I, 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 I mean, go ahead again. There's things in the original Maxi series that were distinctive and interesting for its time. One of the things I really liked about it is I thought it had a, a great sense of place. It really used Los Angeles well. Um, you really got the sense the characters were genuinely there, and that's not something a lot of comics do well. And that's one of the things that. I really took for the new series and said, "Yeah, you know, this isn't this isn't a trick we do a lot of times. Let me see if let me see if I can work this trick." Um, so a lot of what we're doing in the new series is firmly rooted in real environments within the New York metro area uh, that worked out really well with MJ because she's energetically bouncing around the city with her camera, taking snaps to get the perspectives right, to get the detail right. And as you can see from the pages that have been sent out, sent out in the promotion material, um, 
the the lady works really hard at building what she builds. It's uh, it's as detailed a city as I ever saw from you know a George Perez or any of any of the crazier people I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was taken aback. Uh, there's no uh, there's no dialogue or anything on those preview pages, but uh, it, the art is beautiful. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with her work from a previous Valiant title, uh, but I think uh, right. this definitely tops it uh, from what we've seen before. So I'm I'm really excited. Uh, and again, I love the the new look of the visitor. Right. Uh, the, the, Good. The the old look is very, uh, we'll say time appropriate. Uh, you know the nineties yeah, were nice very yeah the nineties were a very particular time in comics, uh, so I like this new look. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Well, we, also, I think the I think the old look was very much designed to evoke a superhero book, and the structure of what they were trying to create there in the combat was very much influenced by superhero material. It you know the combat was appeared to be hero versus villain. You know everybody's pounding the crap out of each other. Um, and structurally, it was evocative of the kind of tag stories that you often saw in superhero material. Not maybe not the best superhero material, but a fair amount of the superhero comics of that era. You know, one guy chases another. How is he going to defeat him? And we're he's only going to be in jail or whatever for two minutes, and then they're going to play another round of tag. Sure. Um, and you know that that's what they were trying to do. And you were the right age. Clearly, it succeeded for you, which is wonderful. Every every comic is somebody's favorite. Absolutely, don't need to be embarrassed about that. <laughs> Look, I I own all the cheesy stuff that I love. There there's nothing wrong with it. And I always try to tell people, you know, just love what you love. And if people disagree, then whatever. Uh, but you know, certain comics just resonate with certain people, and uh, and be proud it's of that. Also, it's 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 also how old you are and where your head head is at the that day i got a big kick out of brother power the geek when it came out in the late 60s um <laughs> i look back on it and it's not joe simon's most shining moment from a craft point of view or jerry grandinetti's but it felt really different and strange and fun that day sure okay i enjoyed it sure That's cool well and i think sometimes people uh especially if you read like older comics uh people have a tough time sometimes placing themselves maybe in in the mindset they were in or would have been in at that time frame, right? So I, I love reading uh, like Golden Age books, for example. Uh, and that's probably not something that a lot of folks like to do because the type of storytelling is so different, right? And and yeah. the, the social mores and stuff are, are very different from what we have now. Uh, so it, it can be tough for certain people to place themselves in that era and read the book as if they were reading it when it came out. Right, looking back seventy-five years on a book, it's it's very tough sometimes. Uh, but if you can do yeah, well, that, good. It, it it's harder to relate. It's like watching a black and white movie that everybody tells you is a legend. Um, you can you can see it at why people might have loved it at the time, but it's very hard to have the same emotional reaction to it that people seem to have when it came out. Um, you know, things are things are creatures of their time. Sure. Um, like one of the one of the things that that pleases and amazes me is how many of the things I worked on forty years ago people still read voluntarily. <laughs> that just, well, just makes me smile no end. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I was telling Greg before you came on. Uh, I was chatting with a buddy of mine last night, and uh, oddly enough, when Greg messaged me about setting this up, uh, we were talking about 
uh, you and the uh, Superboy in the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, and it was just okay. really strange um, that that <laughs> happened that way. Uh, but he's, he's been doing this whole Summer of Superman thing. And uh, shout out to Nick, by the way. Uh, he, so he's been reading all kinds of Superman stories. And uh, he, he loved okay. your run on that. So I just wanted to mention that because he was very excited when this popped up last night. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious. You've been in, in comics for so long. How, how do you feel comics have changed or you know, the, the method of storytelling? This might be maybe too long a question, uh, to, not enough time to answer it. But how the storytelling has changed, how, how the industry has changed from – when even when you were at DC, for example, to to now, I mean, there's it, it's certain that's certainly a big question and a long answer. The good news, I think, is that we're in a second golden age for comics. There's a wider variety of material being created today than in America than ever before, um, and that's you know that's that's a delightful and amazing thing. Um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the change was driven when comics started to treat the creative people better, started to give them economic incentives to create new and original material instead of just rehashing the same things again and again. And I'm thrilled to have seen that happen. A lot of the types of material that are being created today aren't my comfort food, um, but I'm thrilled that they exist because they're somebody's comfort food. And, you know, that's to see... That range of opportunity for creative people, that range of opportunity for readers to enjoy things, um, is a great thing. It's a challenging environment for creators to make a living in because there's so much stuff coming out that the, what you might call the signal to noise ratio of how many titles hit the store every week and pretty much get lost in the store every week as a result, uh, is a, a real problem for folks to get their message out and get attention paid to what they're producing. But the material exists and it has a chance and people do discover some of the the best stuff. Do they miss some? Yeah, they probably miss some, but at least it exists, which it didn't back in the days when I came in. When I started working in comics, the prevailing wisdom, there wasn't a lot of market research, was that we were writing for kids who were prepubescent. Uh, You couldn't write anything that was either too challenging or too complicated um, or unsuitable unsuitable for children that wasn't you know, safe in one fashion or another, whether that was as deemed by the comics code or in some other fashion. And that was about it. We didn't really have any possibility of doing comics that were for older people. We had very limited possibilities of doing comics that were challenging in any way. And... Now you see just this this fabulous range of material. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really interesting time in in comics, and and maybe there's more books than there are comic fans. Uh, I do wonder that sometimes. Uh, it seems like the, uh, the the comic the market has shrunk a little bit, but uh, in terms of publishers and and titles coming out, it's it's exploded. No, I don't think actually. I, I don't think you're right about the size of the market. You know, the two things I think have happened that mixed together in the process very powerfully. You know, one is that the graphic novel form has become as strong as it is, and that has some wonderful ramifications, but some challenging ramifications. It's more challenging for the periodic format because some percentage of the readers say 
you know, I'll read this when I have, when the whole story's finished. It's fine. I don't I don't need the month by month serial hook. Um, I don't need to go every Wednesday to the store. I'll go once a month and I'll pick up the collections because everything good will be collected. Okay, um, that's got some business problems for the comic shops in terms of the inventory they have to carry. It's got some challenges to the sales of some of the periodicals. That makes it harder to do some of the kinds of serial storytelling that I particularly like to do as a writer. But it's offered this great range of diversity in it. The other piece is that in the world we're in, you're no longer competing with this week's comics. And when I came into the business, your Batman story had to be the best Batman story that week because there were two or three Batman comics, great, and that's all the choices you had. Or you could go to find some back issue bin, which was probably a schlep, and the comic would probably cost you more, and you couldn't necessarily find what you wanted. Now you're basically competing with every Batman story that was ever told, and that means your story has to be interesting enough to choose not to read Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's story that you haven't gotten around to, or Frank Miller's story that you haven't gotten around to, or Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' story that you haven't gotten around to. Um, and I don't mean to limit it to Batman, but you know that's an easy example. You, you're in an environment where you can choose between everything. Go on eBay, go on Amazon, what, how, go to Mile High Comics or Midtown Comics or whoever's online back issue department. Um, it, it's all easily accessible in a way that it never was before. And that's tough competition, you know? That's, what, have, what, have, what have there been? Three or 400,000 comics published over the years? Uh, instead of having to be the best of the 30 that came out this week, I've got to be the best of 300,000 sure, to get yeah. your attention? Jesus. Yeah, that's rough. That's hard work. Yep, that's really hard rough. work. Um, I think actually there are more people buying comics material than we've had in America for a long time because I think one of the other distortions is that, at least the market research that I've seen over the years, there's a large body of people buying graphic novels who only buy a certain number of graphic novels a year. They're not as deep into the hobby as those readers who used to be the, I go in every Wednesday and I spend my 30, 40 bucks on comics or whatever I can afford to. Um, they go in, they buy a graphic novel, whatever, 15, 20 bucks. They read it. It's done. Okay, maybe next time I'm in the bookstore or next time I go on Amazon, I'll, I'll buy another one. I like that. Um, but they're, for lack of, a, lack of accuracy, a few hundred dollar a year customer instead of a couple of thousand dollar a year customer. But there's a lot of them, and that's a nice thing. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I know your time's short today. Uh, I do greatly appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else uh, that you'd like to plug while you're on here? Um, you know, the, the stuff that I've got that's probably, that you can probably still find in a comic shop, besides the grand old material, well, even the grand old material. DC just did another collection of my JSA stories. That just is coming out right about now. If you look hard, you can find Dark Horse's ver graphic novel edition of my Brooklyn Blood detective story, which I'm proud of. It's very good. With Tim Hamilton. And uh, there'll be more stuff coming. It's, uh, there's some stuff sitting on the shelf waiting for the publisher to get around to publish it. And uh, there'll be more stuff to be written somewhere along the line. But, very good. Uh, Visitor is the main thing I'm working on at the moment. Great. I uh, I, I love just a, a little side thing. I love the, the little stories that you have on your website. Uh, I, I wish you'd put out some more of those. Those are uh, really great reads. 
Thank you. Yeah, I keep doing too many of them about people who are dead. I gotta <laughs> gotta find gotta find a methodology to talk more about living people. Sure, absolutely. Get myself off off my butt. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Levitt. It's been a, a real pleasure, and uh, I can't wait for the book. I'm really excited. Thanks for the promotion. Take thank, care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Paul Levitz for joining, and of course, Greg Katzman for setting up the interview. You can, of course, find us all on Twitter. The one is at Collect Valiant, Travis at The Great Magnet. I'm at Geekvine. The show is at Valiant underscore Central. If you're not subscribed, make sure you do. And check out all the other great shows on the Nerdy Legion Network at NerdyLegion.com, available on your favorite podcatchers. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.